He was actually heading home from the area around Turkey. He intended to go to Jerusalem and uh, be there for a certain season of the year. He was hurrying as fast as you can hurry when you're boarding ships and unloading ships and trying to find another ship to go the direction you want to go. He had a couple of stops along the way, and he was warned about uh, not going to Jerusalem. In fact, it was highly suggested that he not go. In fact, it, uh, uh, at a certain stop, a certain man with the gift of prophecy took his belt, this man's belt, and bound his arms and his feet, and with his actions he uttered the words that the owner of this belt will be bound by the leaders in Jerusalem. And what blew me away was the response of this man after he, hearing what was coming down the road for him, here's what he said. Why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. And the next verse says, When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. The man, of course, was none other than the Apostle Paul, and he felt God wanted him to be in Jerusalem. He had been through all kinds of stuff. His road had not been easy. And you want to say to him, Paul, you don't need to do this. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. You fought hard enough. But he did. He said, you're breaking my heart, guys. This is what my whole life is about. I'm ready to lay it all out for the sake of the gospel. And the next months, in fact, the next years, were far from being easy. But oh my, did God use this man's obedience in walking the road of endurance. Endurance, real endurance. He's an awesome example of the word. Perseverance, endurance, tenacity, determination, they're all rather similar in meaning. But that's our theme this morning, endurance. And Paul is one example, just one example, of the biblical people who had a, this great quality of endurance. If you've just joined us uh, today, and uh, some of you are uh, have been away. We're in a summer series called The Road to Real. And uh, Sid spoke last Sunday, and he reminded us of the hindrances along the way, real hindrances. The Sunday before, we talked about uh, real spectators, and today, real endurance. And next week, Pastor Norb uh, will talk to us about uh, real goals, the real goal in life. So here's the, here's the picture once again. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 12 is calling out the very best in the people to whom he's writing. He set before them this cloud of witnesses, this stadium of spectators in chapter 11, and he's reminded his listeners that we stand on the shoulders of a lot of amazing people in our history. They've gone before us. Uh, they're in chapter 11. But, of course, that's not the full list, because you know some of them personally. 
You've watched them walk with God. They've been in your family. They've been friends of yours. And they're today home in heaven. But they bear witness to the fact that it's worth it. And the story of their lives is touching. Meaning, you can make it too. Meaning, you can do it. You can be inspired by the way that others have soldiered through in their desire to, to put Christ first. And that helps you go the distance. And someday people will look back at your life and say, that helps me go the distance. And, and that's the point. And, and an athlete knows that in order to compete well, uh, you have to take off all the outer garments. Uh, last week at Rio, just a few days ago, I, I mean, you, you've watched all of the swimmers come in and they take off their, their, their heavy coats. And I watched one American swimmer in particular come into the swimming pool with, I think, two or three layers. This, it was just a little extraordinary. And they took off this big winter parka and this sweater and a sweatshirt and the sweatpants and, and unzipped them all and then he was ready to go. But he was keeping his body warm uh, until it was time to swim. And then he got rid of all the hindrances. And the point is that we, we all have hindrances, frankly called sin, that weigh us down and hold us back from the best life, from the most exciting life that God offers us. And the writer wants us to run unhindered so we, we all get to the finish line. And so that's what the writer is getting at. Not just how you start, but how you finish, how you go the distance, how you endure. And all the examples that we're getting from this week, aren't, they're exciting as you watch the Olympics uh, in Rio. I mean, the endurance of some of these men and women is amazing. So let's get on the road this morning. First of all, the road is marked out for you. Listen to this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So we'll pick it right up at the end of that verse first verse, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. It's a personal road. It's a personal race. It's not a competitive race. We're not racing one another. But it's a personal race. God has set a track before you to run on. He's marked out a way for you personally to travel. Now, don't get worried about that. I'm not extreme. And, and you, 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 don't, you might be tempted to say, well, okay, I'm just a robot. I don't have any choices. I'm just destined to travel this road, and I just have to stay on this bucking bronc and hope it's not too hard to ride and kind of just get through life. No, I, God gives a lot of choices. We can make our road more difficult by the choices we make or we don't make, but, but God essentially marks out a pathway for us and he calls us to be faithful and obedient on that pathway. It's got a lot of twists and turns and we can make a lot of decisions on it. And he would love us for us to run the road that's marked out for us 
Because God's best is on that road. God's best is on that road for us. We would be foolish to compare our races. I wish I had your race. I'd love to be on your road. Uh, it looks pretty gay, good to me. But my road, not so much. I mean, your money, your vacations, your family, your health. And, and there's no end to the comparisons. There's no end to that. It would be easy to move into a posture that is not helpful. Why did these things happen to me? I mean, why didn't I get the promotion? Why wasn't I chosen? How much more do I have to carry? And not to minimize any of that, because that's real pain for those who are going through that, those bumps in the road. And there are times when we feel exactly that way. But then we realize that God has set a, a certain race before me. And it's not my colleague's race, and it's not my spouse's race, and it's not my, my child's race. It's my race. And when we submit ourselves to God's arrangements, it's like we pull back onto the road again and we move forward. Naturally, I have a concept of the road that's smooth. I don't know where that came from, but I just naturally have that concept that the road is to be smooth, like a, like a crystal glass big lake that's just completely still. It's just smooth and glassy, and there's, there's no ripples on it. But I know that's not right. I know the race is filled with bumps. There are many, many twists and turns. We've just come from a couple of days at a leadership summit and hearing John Maxwell and just reminding us that if you're trying to grow and go in God's direction, it's always uphill. It'll always be uphill. And so hard as that is, it's an encouragement to realize that's true for everyone. The, the road to, to growing in God and to walking with Him and to advancing His kingdom is always uphill. And it's entirely unpredictable. But that's the race. Every road has its bumps. And just because I can't see yours doesn't mean that they're not there. They are there. So Lord, help me only to look to you and to say, you have given me a certain road to travel, and my heart is to be faithful there. A race is also characterized by its progress. There is a starting line, and there is a finish line. And when the gun goes off to start the race, the point is to race toward the goal line and not to get lost in the woods. It's just continually one foot after another, after another, after another, after another. And the, the Christian life is that way as well. The key is not the word perfection. Perfection is not our main emphasis. That will be our theme in heaven. Perfection or glorification. And that'll be, that'll be another day. But it's not today. Today, right now, we're more concerned about progression than perfection. Let's just keep moving one foot in front of another, moving and heading in the direction where God wants us to be. Are we moving in the right direction? Are we still in the race? Do our hearts still beat fast for God and for the kingdom? Are we making any progress? And maybe as we think about it, I'll say the word fall, as we head into fall, will it be the same old, same old, same old, same old, 
Or will it be an opportunity for us to reflect in these last uh, half of the, the month of August and say, let me just think about the fall. Let me think about that. Let me think about how I can enter into community. Let me think about how I can experience real transformation. Will, will we say, God, I, I don't want it just to be motions, but help me to hear you real clearly this fall. Help me to hear you real clearly, more clearly than ever before, and teach me your voice. Will we run in the right direction? <laughs> I read the story of a football player in the Rose Bowl a few, quite a few years ago. He made sports history. He scooped up a fumble on the field, and he began to run. And he eluded one tackler after another. And he ran the ball 80 yards, the best run of the day. He was tackled just yards short of his own goal line, tackled by a fellow player. The guy had run the wrong way. He earned a nickname that stayed with him for the rest of his life. He, he was called Wrong Way Regals. <laughs> Wrong Way Regals. I wonder if God looks at us and says, uh, hey, hey not, no, 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 my friend, not that way. My servant, not that way. There's trouble on that road. Don't go down that road. But here's what I have for you. Would you think about your road this morning? Would you be reminded, and please be reminded of this, that God loves you on your road, even if it's a very difficult road. And he has great significance for you on your road. Don't try to get on your neighbor's road. Don't say, I wish I had that road. It's your road. It's the road to which God has called you. And you have to believe that there are blessings on that road. And God has great significance for your life on that road. Secondly, the enduring race is modeled best by Jesus. Listen to these words. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. Verse 3 starts off by saying, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Just stop and think about it and, and think about what he went through. So let's just for a moment do that. Uh, let's just consider what he went through. Uh, he started the orde uh, endurance ordeal in the desert. Remember, he was tempted there for 40 days. He was fasting and praying and Satan was doing everything he could to trip him up. Forty days is a long time without food. And all the time Satan is just pummeling him, pummeling him. But he endured. He endured when his family didn't, didn't understand him. They looked at him weird. They said, you're just a carpenter. But they wondered where he got his wisdom from. I mean, it's not easy to be rejected in your own family. Our families do not always understand our faith in Christ. They may be polite, they may offer a patronizing smile, but say disparaging things behind our backs. Yes, Jesus experienced that too. Some of his early followers ceased following him. And remember, Jesus said to his disciples, uh, will you also turn away? When the Pharisees conspired against him and told all kinds of lies against him, he endured the criticism. 
They were jealous and they were hateful and they were afraid of losing their authority. He endured that. He endured one of his closest men betraying him, a man who walked with him for three years and, and then turned his back on him and, and sold him out for 30 lousy pieces of silver. And he endured in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed and faced the cross and his men got tired on him and they fell asleep And when he was facing his most difficult hour and suddenly he felt so all alone and said, could you not just watch and wait with me for one hour? He sweat great drops of blood as he asked the Father if there might not be yet another way. He endured when that little army confronted him and his disciples in the garden. They came to arrest him and when they bound him and they led him off, he looked around and he saw that all of his men had deserted him. The writer to the Hebrews says, think of it. Think of all the hostility he endured. He endured through the mocking and the scorn of six illegal trials. They couldn't convict him of anything, so they had to make up lies. He told Peter that he would deny him, and Jesus endured. And then there came a moment when Peter, on his third denial, looked into the eyes of Jesus, and Jesus knew, and Peter knew. He was all alone. He endured when the crowds began to cry out, Crucify him! Crucify him! There was nobody to take up his defense. There he was, the sinless Lamb of God who was about to take upon himself the sin of the world. He endured as he saw Pilate wash his hands of the whole ordeal. He understood the political pressure that, that Pilate was up against. He just endured it. And when Pilate reminded him of all the power that Pilate had, Jesus said, you really don't have all that much power, not as much as you think you have. I could call 10,000 angels. He endured when the soldiers mocked him and spat upon him and slapped him and said, prophesy, who did it? Who did it? You tell us. He endured the crown of thorns. He endured dragging the cross to Mount Calvary. He endured the Via Dolorosa and, and falling under the weight of the cross. He endured those spikes pounded into his hands and feet. He endured being hoisted up between heaven and earth to die as a common criminal, humiliated and scorned in front of people. He endured the crowd shouting at him, come down if you really are who you say you are while well, you come on down. He endured while God himself unleashed against him all the forces of hell on the cross. And all the sins of humanity came flowing like a river into him as he was on that cross. All of our stuff over all of the years of time landed on Jesus. And he endured it. And he said, it's finished. It's paid in full. He endured. They put his body in a grave. Praise God, on the third day, he rose again. Forty days later, he ascended to the throne of the Father, to heaven. And the writer says, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's, beside God's throne. He endured. I can't begin to describe what must have, it must have been like for Jesus 
to reassume his position in heaven with the Father. His mission now complete. I mean, he built a huge bridge to humanity, a bridge of love and a bridge of grace that whoever is willing can come to God now through Jesus Christ, through the bridge of Christ. So it was worth it all to endure. He endured the mission, and he endured it so he could build a bridge so that we could all come to God. And we come on the basis of who Jesus is. We, we come not on our own merit, but we come on the basis of, of the one who endured. And so it will be for us. There is a day that awaits when our Lord will say to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Come, be with me. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I have remained faithful and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And that prize is not just for me but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So the model of Jesus. And then thirdly, the race requires dogged determination on our part. I know, as we've said, that many of us are watching, and probably all of us are watching with great interest the, as our country participates uh, in the Rio Olympics. Uh, we know the name Penny, as we've never known that name before. Marvelous young 16-year-old who is making Canada proud these days. And uh, they've just released a little video. You've probably seen it. Uh, but here it is. And talk about endurance. We hope every seat is full. We hope you hear them cheer for everyone but you. We hope defeat is in your cards. We hope your hope splinters into shards that you must handpick from the bleeding wound of your defeat. We hope that every athlete you meet is better, more determined than you. Because you need to be tested the same way wrong needs right, the same way roar needs fight. You must fight to be here. You must pay with sacrifice. You must disregard the price of admission. If you want in, it will cost you. It will cost you broken bones and blood. We hope for a flash flood of fear and uncertainty. We wish this misery upon you because it gives birth to brilliance. There will be a moment in which everything you want becomes a singular goal. A moment of debt when every heartbeat you own can't pay for every breath you stole. You must pay with the whole of you. Because this is the price and these are the stakes. You must pay for all the hurts and all the aches. You must open your heart like a vault and pay for your pain because this is what it takes. in which everything you want becomes a singular goal. A moment of debt when every heartbeat you own can't pay for every breath you stole. You must pay with the whole of you because this is the price and these are the stakes. You must pay for all the hurts and all the aches. 
You must open your heart like a vault and pay for your pain because this, this is what it takes. And the writer at the close of verse 1 says, And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. In verse 2, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Verse 4, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Dr. Kenneth Cooper is the founder of the Cooper Clinic. He once said, passive fitness the mere absence of any illness is a losing battle. Without activity, the body begins to deteriorate and appears to become more vulnerable to certain chronic illnesses and diseases. He writes, muscular fitness is of some value, but it too is limited. It concentrates on only one system in the body, but it has limited beneficial effect on the essential organs of overall health. He comments, Endurance fitness should be your goal. It will ensure all the benefits of the training effect, improving not just your muscles, but your lungs and your heart and your blood vessels. Wish I thought about that a long time ago. It's not how you start your race, but it's how you finish it that counts. It's the steady day-by-day disciplines of life. As one writer said passionately, Jesus is not timing you with a stopwatch. He's measuring you with a yardstick or a meter stick. It's really not how fast you run, it's how far you run that really counts with the Lord. You must run with determination. Pastor Nord will talk about this next week. The secret to winning the race is to keep looking down the road to the finish line. The writer says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor besides, beside God's throne. Roger Bannister uh, was the man who, the first man who ran the the mile under four minutes. They said it couldn't be done. So this week, I rewatched that video. It goes back to uh, 1954, I, I believe, 54. Uh, on one day, uh, on one race, he was uh, racing with an Australian. Uh, they were running a challenge race, and the Australian was leading the entire race. They were coming up on the last 100 yards of the race, and just as Roger Bannister made his move to go around the Australian. The Australian took his eyes off the finish line and looked over his left shoulder to see where Bannister was. As he was looking over his left shoulder, Bannister passed him on the right side and beat him to the finish line. The Australian only made one mistake. He took his eyes off the goal for just a second. Endurance comes through looking at Jesus. Endurance comes when you focus on the finish line. The writer says, think of what Jesus endured, the hostility and the pain and the suffering. Think about what he gave up, and, and you won't become weary and give up too. There's an interesting event in the Olympics called sculling. We're watching it these days. 
It's beautiful, synchronized rowing. Looks so graceful as the men and women cut through the waters with these long oars. Now think about it. These rowers have their backs to the finish line. So how do they finish so strong with their backs to the finish line? How do they pace themselves? How do they know when they've hit the tape? Well, the answer is they focus on the coxswain. He's the, he's the guy with the megaphone, or today with the microphone, uh, sitting at the end of the boat. There he is, number five. He's the, he's the direction giver. He's responsible for directing the boat, coordinating the power and the rhythm of the rowers. He can look down the stretch of water. He knows precisely how far away the finish line. So he's the guy or she's the guy. They're the direction giver. These, these rowers trust this man or this woman explicitly to tell them how to row, how to be efficient with their strokes. He or she's their ticket to get them across the line in the best time. So that's a major clue for us to understand that the finish line is best understood as Jesus and keeping our eyes on him. He's the one who guides us and allows us to pull deeply in rhythm with him. He's there to say, ah, a little bit to the right, Ken. Ah, you're off course a little bit over here. Now deep, now deep, now pull with me. We don't know where the finish line is for any of us. So we run the race by focusing on Jesus. Day by day with him provides the kind of endurance we need. Not next week, not tomorrow, but today. Today, walking with Jesus, focusing on him, trusting him. Remember always that God is, is for you and not against you. That he loves you, whatever road you're on. He has your picture in his billfold. He has your picture on his refrigerator. I have to say metaphorically, of course. A Union soldier in the Civil War lost a father and two brothers. At harvest time, his mother was the only one left at home. The soldier wanted to be discharged so he could go home and help his mother with the harvest. He talked with the captain of the unit and the captain gave him a furlough, so to speak, to go to Washington to ask the President of the United States for that discharge. The young man went to Washington. On the steps of the White House, he met a guard. He told the guard that he needed to talk to the President. The guard said, are you crazy? He's busy with other matters. Tell me your problem. I'll solve it for you. Well, after the soldier explained, the guard said, son, go back and fight the Rebs. We're in a war. You don't get everything you want. The soldier was absolutely devastated. He walked the streets of Washington, tears streaming down his face. A little boy saw him and said, Mr., what's wrong? He didn't see anybody else around and he needed to talk, so he just poured out his heart to this little boy. The little boy said, Mr., I think I can help. Take my hand. They made their way back through the streets of Washington, up the steps of the White House, past the guard, into the Oval Office, where President Abraham Lincoln said, Yes, Todd, what is it you want? When Todd told his father about the young soldier's problems, the president granted the soldier's request. You see, Jesus the Son comes to God the Father on our behalf. 
And the incarnation made it possible for Jesus to go into the throne room on your behalf. First he came among us, and then he endured, and then he ascended into heaven, and he is on the throne room next to the Father. The writer says now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And there he can say, my daughter over here, you, you see my daughter over here? She's hurting. Father, would you look after her? My son over here, he's in pain. You know what he's going through. Would you strengthen him? And the father says, yes. Because you, my son, endured, you paid the price. I'll be with that dear one. I'll be with that daughter. I'll be with your, that son. I will. I will. I will. Real endurance. So friends, it's your race to run. He's given you a personal race. Secondly, you have a great model in the person of Jesus Christ. Think about the many ways he endured. And then thirdly, realize that times particularly, you need some dogged determination. There are points in your journey when it just needs to be a dogged determination to keep going, to persevere, to know that you're not alone, that Jesus takes you to the Father. He loves you and he intercedes for you. And he says, I will, I will. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we're aware today of Jesus, of his high endurance index, and we're grateful. We're grateful for that model. We're grateful for his love. And Lord, for whatever we're dealing with right now in our own lives, some at very difficult turns in life, give us your encouragement, grant us hope, grant us strength, grant us perspective, fill us with new strength and new vision to move with you and to know that you're always good, you're always faithful. Today, we continue to move with your strength in your direction. In Jesus' name, amen.